Hello, I'm Ellie Harris. And I'm Mark Boucher. And welcome to Poking Books. A podcast where I introduce a mystery author who will explain their book through three books which influence that book. And somehow I have to guess what their book is about. And Ellie will know absolutely nothing about the author or their book until they sit down to record with us. Their name, what kind of book they've written, I will know nothing until they enter the studio. Mark, I'm sick and tired of uh, me having to try and explain what this podcast is about. And I think you should take some responsibility, uh, seeing as it was your brainchild, and tell us in your words. Right. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> People sorry. are bored of my voice. Um, essentially, this is a podcast where I hunt down a mystery author um, and then bring them back to... <laughs> This sounds so dark. I hunt yes. them down and I bring them back to my lair. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, that's, that's basically what happens. <laughs> so, um, um, bring them back here to meet Ellie. And then Ellie has to guess what their book is about. It could be any kind of book, any mm-hmm. kind of book at all. It could be anything from a graphic novel to a non-fiction work, a biography, a pop-up book about the history of jelly. It could be absolutely anything. I'd like to sort of show what a wide variety of books are out there and that just to start with the author as well so you don't start with a book because sometimes people like oh it's a murder mystery I don't I don't really read those Mm. and so you stop before you've got into it and books are yeah got more variety once you get to know that aren't they and talk about books that maybe try and defy the genre that people might try and fit them into we come to um Yaba yes yeah, maybe from that we should just jump into Yeah, I it. think we should. So without further ado, let's go and meet Yaba. Let's do that. Hi! Ellie, this is Yaba. Hello Yaba, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you <laughs> too. In close confines. Yes. <laughs> uh, welcome to our nice little um, homemade recording studio. Uh-huh. Yeah, but would you be able to give us uh, your three um, facts about yourself? Well, uh, my three facts are I was born in Ghana. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the West Country in Devon. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third fact was, oh, yes, that I was um, the first African black woman to to study at King's College, Cambridge. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Can I ask where in Devon? I grew up. Uh, sorry, where in the southwest? Southwest. Yeah, um, I grew up mostly near Lyme Regis, okay. um, uh, in the country, mm-hmm. um, on the border between Devon and Dorset. Yeah. And then I went to secondary school in North Devon, oh, okay. um, in Biddeford. I used to live in Exeter for a bit okay. and had a partner in Dorset for oh, quite yeah. a while in Weymouth. So yeah. I know that area. Yeah. Quite well. No, yeah, it's nice part of the world. world. Very really nice. nice. Yeah. Oh, mm. Very cool. Okay. Oh, you're going to ask me a question, aren't you? I am. Mm. Um, very broad <laughs> facts as well. So, uh, yep. what, so I'm going to ask Ellie for a gut reaction. I think this book is a, a fictional book based on real life experience uh, of moving from Ghana to Dorset. Yeah. Is that okay as a first stab? Yes. Okay. It's very good. <laughs> very good indeed. Could you tell us about the um, the first book um, on your? Well, um, when you said a book that had influenced the book that I've written, I really struggled to sort of think. You know, what can I say has influenced it? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I thought, well, you know, I have to look at the broad picture. And I'm thinking about, you know, a a book that really gripped me as I was growing up uh, in Devon. And um, I got a book out from the school library when I was about 12 um, called Winged Pharaoh by an author called Joan Grant, who's okay. hardly heard of these <laughs> And and I could understand why, because um, when in my 20s, I actually managed to find a copy of Wing Pharaoh. It, I, it meant enough for me for when I saw it in a in a sort of curiosity shop, sort mm. of secondhand bookshop. I thought, oh, there's Wing Pharaoh. And I, and I remembered it and thought, oh, I'll buy that. Yeah. And latterly, because you've invited me to take part in this conversation, I thought I'd read it again. Okay. And, and I'm sort of, you know, what on earth? made me pick up this book in the school library, buy it again in my early 20s, and now start reading it again. And really what it was, was as a, a black girl living in, in Devon, um, uh, I read all the usual things like Enid Blyton, yeah. Grimm's Fairy Tales, um, Aesop, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, this was the first book I read that had a an African heroine okay and it was also quite a, a peculiar it was a, it's a winged pharaohs the story of a a pharaoh's daughter okay. <laughs> and of course joan grant being of the generation she was she wasn't into anything about egypt or ancient egypt being african but mm. something about a story based on you know about the african continent mm -hmm. struck a chord with me and it's also a most strange story and that's um Joan Grant, I've discovered, um, used to um, have very vivid dreamed, uh, dreams and believe in something called far memory. Okay. So she would sort of uh, reimagine herself or believe that what she was actually describing was a reincarnation, ah. one of her reincarnated lives. Okay. And so she winged Pharaoh. Apparently, you know, she thinks she had been a Pharaoh's daughter once a long time ago. And so wow. it was, it was, it's, great detail about a young um, Egyptian girl um, who's reincarnated as a pharaoh's daughter mm -hmm. and then go undergoes an apprenticeship to become a, a sort of priest pharaoh and she will she in turn rules Egypt with that with her brother okay uh, so it was completely Unlike anything yeah. I'd encountered before. Not quite Enid Blyton. Definitely not <laughs> Enid Blyton. And full of um, uh, descriptions of, um, you know, how Joan Grant thinks that the Egyptians conceived of the soul mm. and the bit of soul and memory and so on and how important it was um, for dreaming and um, recalling your dreams accurately mm -hmm. because... Uh, memory in dreams and in real life is considered truth yeah. in in and so it was very 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 strange but mm -hmm. i i loved it okay. and and i think i think something of that still you know comes through in my fiction mm -hmm. sort of otherworldly mm -hmm. um something that's about the multi-dimensional aspect of being human so, so not to give too much away. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> this is sorry. I also don't want to interrupt you. So. Interesting oh. to hear about. See, I'm never going to stop you because I like the clues. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyhow, that's lots and lots of clues for you. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Wow. I also want to ask when was Winged Pharaoh published? Oh. 
I think it was about the 50s or maybe earlier, um, she... Um, I'm not sure her her her, um, her her dates, but I think she was writing the 30s and 40s, mm. and she did far memory novels, which were winged pharaohs and a series about in Egypt, right. and she also did some um, Native American stories, mm -hmm. again far memory, which was about um, the life of Native Americans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so she was quite unusual, and yeah. recently there's been a um, her her sort of unpublished works were re, were published were yeah. collated by her her granddaughter and published, okay. and um, and you know and and so you know, but she she's sort of um, yeah, an odd odd woman, mm -hmm. um, but a, a very for me she really struck a chord. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Mm. Wow. You you have a, a whole sea of clues there. I do. Ellie, what what do you reckon? I think I'm still going to keep with the same sort of lines. Um, I'm still going to stick with fiction for now. Um, you mentioned dreams, which I'm going to pull into my thoughts. I think it's drawn on on your experiences still. Possibly that balance between Ghana and. Uh, the southwest very different places mm. in the world mm. um maybe the character or characters no let's go with character in this story uses um sort of dreams or thoughts um to transcend these worlds and explore mystically i'm gonna go with ghana S explore ghana through these dreams um brilliant yeah, I think you've done really well. Careful. Mm. I'm trying to um, trying to make this very much like a sort of literary kind of poker sort of thing. Don't let Ellie know if she's getting too close or not. Oh, I don't think that's helpful. I think it's actually. I think I think no I no no I think it it's because it could be any book that's ever been written. I think actually when you're on the right path, it's it's incumbent on us to actually point you closer i think it's a it's it a poker game is a game that you win i think this conversation is about actually finding communality and and, and me sort of helping you get closer to the answer rather than sort of like oh you know you're wrong <laughs> i think you should focus on apprenticeship and dreams, I think that's good. It's not one character. I think there's several characters. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too much. <laughs> I think there's several characters. Okay. Okay. You're yeah. the most proactive. Well, you are. Probably. You are. Yeah. Got to leave me some guessing, but yeah, I like being. I like knowing when I've got something good. Mm, okay. Could we talk about your um, second book that has influenced? Oh, um, again, you see, I think influence is not the right word because. Um, uh, as a sort of reader, you read so many things and bits of things go into you in different ways. Uh, and influence, uh, it's a bit like sort of say, oh, well, I was influenced by Wordsworth, you know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, but things resonate with you differently. Of course, and of course, at different times. And, yeah. and it all is part of what you produce as a writer. But it's not like, um, and, you know, uh, for instance, um, Toni Morrison, um 
I love her her writing and I love uh, her novel um, Jazz and also her novel Beloved. And I had the privilege of actually meeting her and making a program with her for BBC Four. Uh, some time ago, and uh, and it was literally, you know, one of the best experiences of my life because she's, I think, for me, she's a virtuoso writer. The way she can, her writing, her lyric, the ry- lyricism of her writing, um, the way she can deal with such difficult topics like slavery, um, she, how she she's able to um, write about Black history. Uh, and jazz, you know, the the whole story is encapsulated in the first paragraph, mm-hmm. and then the what she does afterwards. It's like a improvisation in writing. Okay. Uh, so, like you know, words become music, mm-hmm. and and I and I think she's stunning, and I would never ever compare myself in the same breath. No. Uh, yeah, but, think but I think parts of her work have. Well, I like, think you know, any, it's uh, kind of natural that that should happen and organic that that should happen when you meet with people and their work sort of resonates yeah resonates yeah on a level yeah at a very very deep level yeah what actually kind of book is jazz um i haven't read it in some time but what i um i also had the um privilege of actually hearing tony morrison talk in the early days of the hay festival mm. and um and she was just terrific in the sense that she said Uh, she's a black woman writer. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, you know, a lot of writers don't want to be pigeonholed. But she said, you know, how can I not pigeonhole myself when um, I live in the most racist country in the world? Yeah. Uh, I'm a black writer, she Mm -hmm. said. And then she used, she turned the, um, you know, the thinking around blackness Mm -hmm. into something quite special. Mm -hmm. And she, what she did was she... um, uh basically um uh talked about carving out a whole area of the of american writing mm-hmm. um and you know i black history and what's happened to black people and mm-hmm. through you know from uh, before slave well slavery and onwards mm-hmm. and one of the areas she was working on at the time was the the jazz period right. um i think and 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 basically she, what she takes is she takes a nugget she takes a story, uh, I think Harlem in the in the 1920s, I could be wrong, but from what I recall, it's around there. Yeah. And she uses that to, to tell a really engaging love story mm-hmm. and to talk about migration from the south to the north. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that moment when so many things are happening mm-hmm. in, in black culture mm-hmm. in America. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think that this is a book about multiple people's stories of moving from one culture to another, one country to another, not necessarily moving from a culture to another because you take culture with you, but moving to a place that is very other. You've talked about music and sort of lyricism and I wonder whether there's something quite poetic about your writing. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think maybe we could we move on from that. What are the other books? And allow them to be two because I know that mm. you, you sort of merge because it seems like it's a very deep childhood thing, I suppose, mm. these two books. Um, well, the the two books are Grimm's Fairy Tales mm-hmm. 
which I sort of started reading when I, I came to school very young in Britain. And one of the nicest experiences I remember in my childhood is discovering an old edition of Grimm's Fairy Tale, okay. which um, belonged to the headmistress of our school, um, who's a giant of a woman, really huge <laughs> and uh, big bosomed and, uh -huh. and, and so on. And she had this wonderful edition of Grimm's Fairy Tales mm. illustrated, uh, sort of like they were so old, they had that sort of paper covering for the illustrations. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, cold winters mm. and, and, you know, sitting by the radiator or the ray burner in those days mm. and, and just being totally absorbed with these incredible stories mm. which were so real about dreadful adults yeah. um you know parents who lose their children or mm. you know so it was it was very real to me as opposed to fairies yeah. and and I was really interested in princes and princess and all the rest of it and then the other book I I chose I loved the old testament okay. I loved the St James edition of the Bible uh, because of the, the poetry of the language. Mm. And I love the Old Testament God. I love the sort of, and he smiteth. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the plagues. Really dramatic. Yes, I love the drama. Yeah. I love the, the plagues, the seven plagues of Egypt. Okay. You know, the death of the firstborn sons yeah, and yeah. locusts. And uh -huh. I love all that sort of epic um drama mm. of uh and you know abraham almost kiss, killing isaac and uh, i i you know i i love drama i love language i love um you know moses being lost you know uh, as a child in the bulrushes and the pharaoh's daughter uh, finding him and adopting him and mm. and so on and the whole journey of the um israelites out of out of egypt and um you know, all those really epic stories yeah. uh, I find um, very engaging mm. uh, stories, um, whilst the New Testament is much more uh, a philosophy about love, mm. which I think is also very important, but it's the Old Testament God. I am a jealous God, he said. Well, <laughs> says a lot, doesn't it? It really? says, yes, <laughs> says an awful lot. And you should worship nobody but me. If you don't worship me, I'll kill you. Well, yeah. 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 It's full on. Very full on. As in his young, dramatic days. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's older, mature, wiser now. Maybe less jealous. <laughs> Who knows? Um, fantastic. Great. So, Ellie. You have had plenty to go on. I've There's had a real so much. Treasure trove of clues here. You know, sometimes when you have too much choice. Mm. <laughs> um, so, like, you've gone through into some sort of. Um, Yabba has given you an ice cream shop. Mm. And you've got to. Actually, you'd be alright because you. Have, I am dairy intolerant. So I can't have, eat ice cream. Yeah. So, you'd have to pick. I still eat it. So, mm. you know, you can't not. I think it's a. I'm I'm torn between a collection of short stories and because you mentioned TV and um, working with Tony before, whether it's writing for something like TV, like writing for screen. Um, maybe it could be, but it could still be short stories. So short stories from different characters' points of views that, Oh, oh, what did I say at the beginning? That it was you'd gone for originally more of a singular a sort of story with a with a journey in it. Now using dreams to kind of yeah. traverse worlds. I still think that's an element in it, but I can't marry up those two mm. ideas in my head. So it's maybe it's from a 
single point of view, but this character is meeting lots of other characters from other places. No, I don't think that's what it is. Okay, um, it is a collection of short stories based on real experience from multiple voices about uh, their travels from different countries uh, around the world coming to a predominantly kind of white setting like Dorset is, for example, and um, that kind of trying to re- using dreams to re-engage with um, home and with um, heritage and the past. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. You've gone from sort of fantastical to um, something a lot more real. Oh, I have, haven't I? um, Yeah. Mm. No, no, that's fine. Okay. But dreams to travel and dreams to like Mm. get to those points, I think, Mm. are fantastical in a way. And and I think the writing is probably very lyrical and... um, I can almost imagine it like the sounds of this, you know, how the sea sort of keeps on going and rolling and rolling. I don't know what it is about you, but that's what I'm mm. getting. So That is fascinating. Mm. Okay. Um, well done. Yeah, yeah. But would you like to now um, reveal uh, your full name, okay. the name of your book, yeah. and what it's about? Right. Um, the bag. My full name is Yaba Beidou. Yeah. And the book is Wolflight, which follows the story of three girls from different parts of the world. It's a young adult novel. Okay. Um, and um, the three um, girls, one is called Zula, who's from Mongolia. Mm-hmm. The other is Adama from Ghana. And uh, the, the third one is Linnet, who lives in Cornwall. Okay. And they're all bound together. They're bo- born on the same day at the same time mm-hmm. of day, wolf flight, which is a sort of dusk. Yep. And they're they're sisters who they're they're not sisters. No, but spiritually. they're spiritually sisters. Yeah, and they're both they're all of them are caretakers of shrines in their countries, mm. um, shrines which link to the landscape. Right. Um, Adamas is in a forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linnets is a is a linnet lake in Cornwall, and um, Zulas is a mountain range known as the giant, the sleeping giant. Okay. And um, uh, the the three young women are um, trained in magic, mm. uh, wind magic, fire magic, earth magic, water magic. Right. And they use um, magic to uh, protect their shrines from skinwalkers. And skinwalkers are people who basically have skin but no heart and want to use the landscape to exploit it okay. rather than to nurture it. Uh. And so they're protectors of their shrines and the environment. Mm-hmm. So it's an environmental story. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Wow. I had some elements of it. I, yeah, I, you did. I've got to say, in a lot of ways, you've never been closer because <laughs> you've got everything. You've got mm. the, the multiple perspectives from different mm-hmm. um, parts of the world. Um, the the magic and the lyricism, but but you kept sort of I think flitting between how how real and how fantastical yeah. mm-hmm. it was. It sounds incredible. It sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think how timely as well right now as well. You know, kind of remembering how valuable the earth is and those different perspectives of we're all bound and together by the same things yeah. really, and we're yeah. all on the same planet. planet. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, how those worlds can connect, even though they're probably very different. Yeah. Um, and how ideas and beliefs can still be the same. Oh. Well, what I found really fascinating was that you honed in on this um, idea of water, which made mm. me think even more of Yaba's previous novel. Um, I'm always going to get the title on right. Jigsaw of um, Fire and Stars. Yes, that's right. I, kept, well, I was going to say Stars and Fire, and it would mm. be the wrong way around. <laughs> and that has this wonderful description and a beautiful cover of the. I'm trying to remember the name of the main character. Santi. Santi. Yeah. Santi. Yeah. Yes. Who is? Um, um, is it their boat is upturned? Yes. Her parents are crossing from Africa mm-hmm. to uh, Europe in a. They're migrants, refugees, and um, what happens is their boat boat is scuttled. Right. And uh, but before her parents die, they save her and put her in a in a sort of sea chest, which is guided to shore by a golden eagle, the shores of Spain. And luckily she's found and adopted by a woman who runs a circus. Okay. Um, but when Santi is 14, um, the ghosts of the, the dead start haunting her because they want uh, a final reckoning right. and they want revenge. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I can feel that epic. When you said about the Old Testament, I can feel that epic coming through. You're like not playing around at all. Those themes are deep. Yeah. Um, and I'd also just like to say how beautiful the cover is as well. Well, uh, both covers were done by Leo Nichols, um, uh, a designer, and he really sort of gets... What you're doing. Yeah, very, very, very well, yeah. It's really beautiful. Mm. And how did you... What was the inspiration for each of the characters? Why Mongolia? Well, I, I filmed in Mongolia. Okay. I've been there several times yeah. um, because of filming. And I just loved it. Huge skies, empty. A large part of the country's empty. Right. And um, I had the good fortune. Yeah, I was making a, a program about a series about VSO. Okay. And um, one of the volunteers, two of the volunteers were were nurses in uh, who were sort of uh, nursing and teaching nursing mm-hmm. at a place called Gobi Altai, which is um, near the steppes. Okay. And... Uh, they had had they had made friends with a um, a nomadic family who in the winter go, went to Gobi Altai to live in a gare, but during the rest of the time they would be sort of travelling around. And one of the things we one of the filming trips we did with them was with their friend, um, and we went to meet them um, in the middle of the Gobi Desert. As and, you do, yeah. Well, and it was just sort of like you know one of those. I just remember. Um, we'd arrived um, with with their friend, and and as we were sort of setting up the filming and everything, suddenly herdsmen riding camels just galloped across the the mountains, and it was just you know one of those things I shall never forget. Yeah. And one yeah. of those where it could be a dream, it could not be a dream. One of those images, it's very sort of. It was. It was. Uh, I just in and it's something about the lifestyle and. Mm. And you know, um, and and also being aware also that um, there are all sorts of um, challenges coming um, for Mongolia with um, mining right. and how that's affecting um, uh, health of people and the rest of it. And and I so I just I just thought Mongolia would be interesting, yeah. and and you know Azula, who's the leader of the 
the young women mm. yeah, is Mongolian and her mother, her um, grandmother and father are shamans. So I, I was interested in using, and Adama, who's from Ghana, her um, uh, grandfather is a traditional priest. Okay. Uh, and I, and Linet's grandmother is a, uh, is a, you know, um, a healer. Okay, so they've all got these kind of... Otherworldly, yeah. yeah. And I just was very keen to sort of tap into a way of seeing the world, which mm. is not completely materialistic yep. and exploitative, but actually sees the world as a living thing. Yeah, living, uh, breathing. Living, breathing yeah. and sustaining uh, mm. and wants to keep it that way. Mm. So that's what the... That's what informs the girls' wow. thinking about environmentalism yeah. and looking after their shrines. Fantastic. Yeah. So, I would love um, for you to read a little bit from Wolfly. Okay, okay, right. So this bit is um, a bit from Zula. I am wolf, snuffling and tumbling. I romp alive to the smile of the moon as she turns her back on the sun. The crescent fades, the glow blooms and I yelp. Wriggling and rolling, tail curled, I sniff and snort. A plume of steam swirls from my nostrils, and I sneeze as wind shrieks over the giant's mouth. A she-wolf growls, assembling a pack of sisters to hunt. Wait for me, I try to tell them, but no matter how hard I strive, I can't shape words on my tongue. Instead, I whine, excited at the scent of deer drifting from below. I want to run with the pack, but with the wobbly legs of a whelp, I don't have the strength to bound and tack as I should. I grizzle, warm my nose with a flick of my tail, raise my head to howl, but the sound I make, the yap-snap of a pup, sets the she-wolves baying. I wait in the warmth of the den, sniffing for clues as to what lies ahead. I am wolf, and one day soon I shall hunt with my pack. The idea is that each of the girls has a spirit animal okay. that she manifests as she develops, and Zula's is that of a wolf. Okay. Um, Adama's is a leopard, mm -hmm. and um, Linnet's is a chough which is the national bird of Scotland, uh, not Scotland, of Cornwall. Cool. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a black bird with a red beak and red feet. Thank you so much for reading. And uh, there is that lyricism through it as well. I think you should do an audio book uh, so that I can listen to it as well, because that was really beautiful to hear that read aloud. It was really lovely. Good. Thank yeah. you. Well... Um, I wanted to ask something. Um, do you think that as a fantasy writer, it's important to be well-travelled? Well, you see, I don't see this as fantasy. I see it. Um, is it fantasy? Well, it uses magic. Bad. It uses magic and the idea of forces that they can harness to to change and affect the world. But to me, reality is um, very magical. Mm. And, and I think I, I'm writing about an aspect of, of, of living, which is often ignored, but it's there. Which is interesting when you say that I didn't go for the fantastical straight away and that I was going for more reality. Maybe mm. that's where I was, I could feel elements of, yeah. of that, that ethereal, spiritual element but not necessarily 
fantastical in in the sense that perhaps you and I think about it differently. I think it's what really what what really like scooped me up when I read um, Jigsaw of Fire and Stars is that it's it does yeah it has that element of like although it's fantastical mm. everything feels real in the same way that you say that you know our we us you know with our memories and our dreams and how that is reality mm. to us it's yeah there's not really a conclusion to that sentence <laughs> but um, mm. I'm, I'm trying to articulate what i mean but I, I really like how you said i don't consider it a fantasy because it's any more than do you mean any more than our just our consciousness is kind of well, I just feel that, you know, we're such multifaceted as human beings and there's only, um, you know, yeah, I just think we're completely um, open to lots and lots of influences and things and the earth affects us, the sun affects us, yeah. the water does and, and you know, you know, okay, we're in a climate crisis, but if the human species was extinguished, life would go on. Mm. It just would not be life as we know it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it, we are a species like mm. other animal species. And, and just like, I mean, like, you know, wolves uh, communicate. Uh, I think we communicate. I think we communicate on multiple layers. It's not mm. just through words it's you know scent and all that you know we we, we so many more layers yeah, to it. yeah 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 more you know in, in a way that's hard to comprehend yeah. how we um we react to each other and we we hinted at um at your career um as a filmmaker if you hadn't mm. guessed so far i wanted to know how your career as a filmmaker has fed into your writing as a filmmaker, I see the world in quite a visual way. Mm. Um, and um, uh, I think I love cinema. I love film. And so I suppose that's why I like the Old Testament God. I like the epic yeah. nature of scenery. Um, I like, um, uh, like for instance, um, in A Jigsaw of Fire and Stars, one of the characters is Pris, a golden eagle. And like when you have an, a bird, you, you've got, um, you know... A whole different viewpoint. Yeah, you've got a whole different viewpoint. You can, and you know, you have a sweeping landscapes. You've got seas, you've got um, terrain underneath. You can, you can, you know, you can really... And it, because these countries are so different, forest, mountains, um, desert, uh, uh, lake, uh, and they're able to communicate to each other in spite of distance um then it means you know it you can have a very luscious rich um descriptive um sense of the of you know the world because yeah. and of the place you know, and so, so, i mean that definitely came through when you were reading then mm -hmm. as well that descriptive kind of visual cacophony yeah yeah amazing um i'm related to the book what was it like being the first black woman to study at King's? I'm so interested. Well, I mean, like, I mean, it's only in retrospect that I make that comment. Of course. Um, because uh, when you're doing it, you know, you're doing it. And um, there are very, very few black people um, in undergraduates at Cambridge at the time. When was the time? This was 1973, 73, 76. Uh, very few black undergraduates. Mm. Uh, many more... African under, uh, 
postgraduate students, mostly postgraduate, but a few um, who'd been to public school. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, literally, I think Diane Abbott came to Cambridge about a year after me. Okay. Uh, and uh, whilst I was there, I, I met one guy, African Caribbean heritage, mm-hmm. who um, was uh, training was in med- doing medicine. Right. But it was literally you could count us on our hands. Yeah. Um, but it, it was. I mean, I was really, I, I really enjoyed Kings. Mm-hmm. Kings has got a very egalitarian sort of left-wing worldview. Yeah. Uh, and that was very strong at the time. And um, and I, I made some really good friends. And King's was also, although there are a lot of public school people there, um, there were, you know, I met people who, it took a lot of grammar school and state school people right. at the time. Uh, I think they're, they're aiming to take more now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was quite unusual in the sense that there were more it was more egalitarian thank you so much for reading from your book and for coming to chat about it it's It's a pleasure it's really nice to get new book recommendations for me as Mm. well so it's really lovely (laughs) can't wait to dive into it myself Mm -hmm. it'd be great it makes me want to read winged pharaohs well Well, it was i mean some of the the detail is a bit too much okay honestly Uh, but the gist of it and where she's going with it i mean if you um, you know it's it's interesting and and i and i was i I was really just rereading it recently um for this basically i thought my goodness what it's just incredible that the 12 year old can just read stuff like that mm-hmm. and not be daunted but just sort of absorb it and and sort of oh interesting <laughs> you don't think about these things at the time no you don't you just just wolf it down so it was good, good. thank you joan grant <laughs> wherever you little are little does she know little what has she, she been know. reincarnated as now i wonder <laughs> Yeah, but thank you very much for coming it's on. It's been the show my pleasure. Today. Thank you for having me. So that took an unexpected turn. It did. That was a lot of fun. I really like how Yaba put you in your place and yeah. gave me lots of clues and hints. Uh, it was a different style of the podcast, um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there are points in this where I sort of feel like, oh God, I've made this so awkward for Ellie. Just... <laughs> meet a stranger and then put her on the spot and she has to guess it's going against everything your parents told you when you were little isn't it don't talk to strangers but i quite enjoy it i think you get to know very interesting people very quickly ellie's the kind of person who loves to talk to strangers if you have any strangers (laughs) i'm sorry if i've sat next to you on a bus or a train before and initiated a conversation i know that's not the norm um but no that that was an a podcast of epic proportions i Mm. think that episode and it's kind of what I always want with a podcast is mm. to say that books aren't simple and like you might say like I'm not interested in fantasy mm. but as Yaba doesn't even consider her book fantasy no. I think any publisher will and that might help them to try and you know get it into bookshops mm. and get it into somewhere by a category but still be open minded. There's so much more than just mm. yeah categorising stuff and putting stuff into a into one box or one genre definitely. Which almost makes it harder to guess, for me, in a way, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Endless possibilities. You've been listening to Poking Books with Ellie Harris and Mark Bowsher. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Both of them are just at pokingbooks. No hashtags, no underscores, just simply at pokingbooks. You can also listen to the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash pokingbooks. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember, if you do enjoy the podcast, please subscribe because it means more people will find us and listen to us. You've been listening to a Rabbit Island podcast and do tune in for the next episode very soon. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.